Hi, this is Jeff in Saxe, Texas, and just like Bob, I'm a tactical guy, and I like a tactical podcast. Jeff, wait a minute. That's practical guy and practical podcast. Oh, never mind. Hi folks, I'm Bob Main, and welcome to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. A practical show done by a practical guy, and that is me. I am not ex-law enforcement or ex-military. I'm not a gunsmith or anything like that, or an industry insider. I'm just a regular guy taking my Second Amendment rights very seriously and sharing them with you. Occasionally, I teach a training class or two on the side just because I have fun and I have fun with this podcast as well uh, this is not not my full-time business it's just it's something I have to or something that I do to have a lot of fun and it's rewarding and I make a little extra income but not much just enough income to feed my habit which is guns <laughs> that's my habit guns and so thank you thanks again for listening let me remind you that this podcast is sponsored by Concealment Solutions. They are my only sponsor. This show is pretty much funded by generous listeners like you. Uh, that's it. This is a 90% listener-funded show, and I'm going to tell you about that a little bit later. But Concealment Solutions make fantastic holsters. If you're looking for outside the waistband or inside the waistband, appendix carry, pocket carry, uh, whatever, Check out ConcealmentSolutions.com. 100% made in the USA. Terrific guarantee. I know the owner, Jason Christensen. He's a fantastic guy. And uh, I've not been dissatisfied with anything that he's produced. I have seven or eight holsters, all for different guns, by Concealment Solutions. And I think you will like it as well. And you get a 10% discount just for being a handgun world listener just use the coupon code handgun world at checkout and you'll get a 10 percent discount one more time that's concealmentsolutions.com so this episode i am gonna discuss idpa competition competition shooting in general and uh, the reason i decided to talk about to IDPA or not is because of an email I recently got a re an email from a, a listener named Eddie so Eddie thank you very much I appreciated Eddie that you sent me this email uh, you you asked a terrific question and so you've created us the subject for this episode and uh, what Eddie sent to me is this he said I'm very interested in trying some IDPA shooting I'm not big on competition but the little that I've learned about it sounds like fun and good practice can you Bob please discuss the pros and cons of getting into IDPA and contrast it with similar events and competitions thank you okay 
let's get into it. I've been IDPA shooting since 2006. I've been USPSA shooting, I think, since about 2008. I'm going to go ahead and put a disclaimer out there right now. I am not a master class shooter. All right. I just, I have a lot of fun with it, and I'm pretty decent. You know, I'm a decent sharpshooter level. Let's put it that way. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty decent sharpshooter, and I'll talk a little bit about the classifications as well. About twice a month, I go competition shooting. Now, a lot of people really trash competition shooting, and I don't know why. Uh, I, I just really can't understand that. Ben Branham and I did a video recently. We did several of them. We just recently did one on our Modern Handgunners YouTube channel, which I, I really ask you to check out. Modern Handgunners on YouTube. Check that out. As well as, of course, my own Handgun World YouTube. We've done some videos on competition shooting and, and why you should and what you should try to focus on when you're when you go competition shooting. And if you don't like competition sh uh, shooting, stay tuned to this episode because I might change your mind or at least you might learn some things you didn't know. If you remember back in the early days of this podcast, in the early days of the Handgun World podcast, I used to do a lot of interviews with Steve Zofi. And Steve was on episode 500. And uh, Steve used to be a USPSA. I believe he was a master or a grandmaster. I can't remember. But he was a pretty darn good USPSA shooter. Probably also a pretty darn good IDPA shooter as well. I'm guessing. And Steve and I used to review a book by Brian Enos called Practical Shooting Beyond Fundamentals. I would urge you to go back and listen to those old episodes. They were very informative about this subject. And you, you'll have to go to handgunworld.com to listen to all the old episodes. Just type into the search bar, episode 4 or 5, I think, is kind of when we started it. Maybe, let me see if I can look it up real quick. Okay, uh, I just took a quick look at my website, and uh, I guess I was way off. It was probably like episode 88 back in 2010. So that was about 10 years ago, and we were talking about shooter attitude. And I think we did 15 or 16 different episodes on competition shooting really good stuff so go back and and listen to those i think you'll be quite pleased and you're going to learn a lot but let me go ahead and cover some of these uh topics now by the way the release date of this podcast sunday june 28th 2020 so should you go to competition shooting or not I've talked to a lot of people, and in fact, I just talked to one recently uh, that is that was that was at a shooting training class, and he said something like, "Well, I don't want to go to competition shooting because the last time I went to competition shooting, there was somebody there that was really shooting a fast race gun, and I knew I could never keep up with that guy, and so." Uh, I guess he decided that competition 
shooting was not for him. So let me address that because I think it's it's common. It's a common objection that people have. They don't want to go to competition shooting because there's always somebody shooting fast and accurate and good and winning the match. And that's good. Let those guys shoot fast, accurate, and good and win the match. That's fine. Don't go to competition shooting with the goal to beat that guy. Because unless you're willing to shoot several thousands of rounds a month to practice and set up your gun the way those guys set it up and probably get a sponsor or two to provide you with a lot of ammo and equipment and and get a really good deal on a range so that you can go there five days out of the week and practice and get your thousand round or a couple thousand rounds a month in or whatever unless you're willing to do that you're probably not going to beat that top shooter but that's not the goal the goal is not to go beat the top shooter because you're not and I would suggest if your goal is to go beat the top shooter every single time then I would suggest that you don't go to competition shooting but do what I did I went there, the first time I went, I just watched. I never, I didn't take a gun with me. I just went to an IDPA match and I watched it. And I realized after the second stage, I was probably not going to beat the top shooters. But I decided I could beat myself. And I could beat some of the novices and I could beat some of even the, the, shooters that were probably more in the in the marksman level and I'll explain what all that means if you don't the most important thing is I said to myself I can have a lot of fun with this how many of you love to have fun shooting I don't know of anywhere where you can have so much fun and practice for about a $25 entrance fee and 100 to 150 rounds of ammo and that's about it. $25 fee, maybe $30 at the most, and 100 to 125 rounds of ammo. And you'll probably be there three to four hours on the average. I don't know where else you can do that. And you can do things at a competition match that you can't do at a public range. And that was one of the cool things. <laughs> when I went to watch the first IDPA match, I thought to myself, wow. People actually do this on a regular basis with a handgun. I didn't know you could get away with this stuff. <laughs> I didn't know you could get away with drawing your loaded handgun from a holster while somebody's running a timer next to you and shooting multiple targets and shooting on the move and doing all that stuff and rapid fire and everything. Most public ranges, they don't let you do that. You know, you've been to a public range. A lot of them have the one-second rule. I've even seen a two-second rule. You can't fire more than one round per second. And a lot of them don't allow you to draw from a holster because they don't want to police the safety of it. And I can kind of understand that. But IDPA or USPSA, any of the competition matches, they're pretty good at policing all that stuff. And I, I just didn't, I didn't, even, didn't even know it was possible to move and shoot when I first went to watch the first match that I saw and I remembered regretting that I did not bring my gun and holster 
because I, I thought after about watching three three stages, I thought, I want to do this. I, I want to do this. But I didn't bring anything, and I was too shy at that point to ask anybody if I could borrow anything. And so I had to just watch in regret for the rest of the match. And I came back two weeks later and tried it for the first time. And I was hooked. And I'm so glad I did. And I thought what was quite interesting is I saw somebody shooting a small gun, and I'm fairly sure it was a Glock 26. And his 19-year-old daughter had a small gun also. And at that time, I think it might have been it might have been a, a small um, Springfield, but I'm not sure. But a man there was 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 using a concealed carry holster at this IDPA match. He was shoot. He was using an inside the waistband leather holster. Pretty sure it was a Glock 26, and he had one magazine pouch and an extra mag in there. And I kept an eye on him. And I realized that it was a competition sport that at that time, we're talking about, like I said, I think it was 2006 or seven. It was late 2006 or early 2007. And most of the people there were of the mindset that they wanted to practice with their concealed carry gun. And I thought, what a great idea, because I had never thought about that before, practicing with my concealed carry gun. And I thought, duh, Bob, come on. You know, you carry a gun now. You got you to gotta get good with it. You got to get familiar with it. And this was before I had taken any kind of training classes of any kind. So I learned about a guy that was, I believe he was an IDPA expert shooter. If I remember right and he was the USPSA master shooter and he was teaching some classes on how to get into competition shooting so uh, I paid him for a private lesson an hour and a half that's all it was an hour and a half and uh, first I tried two matches and uh, and then I decided hey I'm gonna try to get a lesson in this and so I paid him I paid him for an hour and a half lesson and it was well worth the time so if you want to get into uh, competition shooting and you know somebody that that can give you a lesson if if you know somebody can give you a lesson for free great take the free lesson if you know someone you can pay uh, if you're in my area here in san antonio texas and you want to talk to me about a lesson i'll I'll give you a, a a short competition shooting basic lesson that's fine. I'll do a. I'll do an IDPA 101. Uh, the guys over at the Power Factor Show used to do that, and I thought that was a really cool idea. I think it was called Competition Shooting 101 or something like that. I'll do a small class or I'll do a lesson for you on getting into competition shooting. But anyway, let's get back to the basics of it. How many of you are are interested so far? I hope you are. Hope hopefully I've captured your attention here. And I got you to think about this. So, yes, you're going to be timed. And your shots are going to be scored. And I would say the first time you go, don't even worry about that. Just worry about being safe. The cool thing about IDPA, for example, or any uh, competition, any of them, is that 
they're very much sticklers on safety. And it's good. They have to be. So they're going to really make sure you know the safety rules. They're going to make sure that you don't put your finger on the trigger when you're not supposed to. They're going to make sure you don't break what's called the 180 rule, which means you're not pointing your muzzle where you're not supposed to be pointing it, that you're keeping it downrange or at the targets. Okay, they're going to watch you closely. There's an RSO, range safety officer, that's going to be in charge of your small group of people. And uh, you might be broken down into groups of 8, 9, 10, 12 shooters. And there'll even be a new shooter briefing before the match. So if you've never done it before, you can go to a quick, you know, 20-minute briefing before the match starts. And they'll get you scored away mostly on safety and the rules of, of the competition match so that you don't get yourself disqualified and kicked out, which has never happened to me. Hopefully never will, but can happen. Hopefully it doesn't happen to you, but uh, they'll let you come back. If, if you get disqualified and kicked out, hopefully you're not doing something really bad, um, and, uh, and they'll, let you, they'll let you come back. But you'll be done shooting for that day. And you can just watch the rest of the match. But lightly, if you pay attention to the safety officer and you pay attention each time when it's your time to shoot, that's probably not going to happen to you. So I decided that the only person that I was going to try to compete with was me. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to shoot my first match and then I'm going to look at my score and my time. And the next time I go... I'm going to try to beat my own score in time. And if I do, the next time I go, I'm going to try to beat that. The next time I go, I'm going to try to beat that one. And I didn't always beat my score in time from the previous match. But a lot of times I did. And I thought, oh, hey, this is, pretty, this is pretty cool. I'm getting better at this. And success is a confidence builder. It always is. Success is always a confidence builder. But don't be afraid... And don't let your ego get in the way. The, mo the most important thing I have to say is don't let your ego get in the way. Because there's probably going to be 50 total shooters there. And like I said, they're going to break you down into four or five squads, okay? And maybe 10 or 12 shooters in a squad, for example. So there's always going to be good shooters. But there's also going to be other new shooters there that are just like you. And I thought to myself, these are just ordinary people just like me that want to have fun with their handguns. Now, Eddie asked me to talk about IDPA, which stands for International Defensive Pistol Association. There's also USPSA, which means United States Practical Shooting Association, which is a kind of a division of IPSC, International pistol shooting I forgot what the C is competition something like that uh, and then you also have local clubs sometimes you have clubs that are only in in your specific area here in San Antonio we have AASA American Action Shooting Association when I was in the Dallas Fort Worth area for a long time there was a club at the Dallas Pistol Club I can't remember their name I want to say personal protection match or like a PPM match or something like that and they have a little bit different set of rules at AASA than 
IDPA and USPSA, but they all pretty much have the same practical goal, and that is have a gun, know how to draw it, know how to shoot it well, uh, compete with yourself or compete with the buddy that you brought with you, and, uh, and have a bunch of fun and learn something and practice. And uh, I think Ben Branham and I, we really busted the myth that competition shooting is going to get you killed in the streets because a lot of people say that, and I don't know why they say that. I'm firmly convinced that those who say that, they say it because they're not very good at competition shooting. And so because they're not very good at it and they're not willing to get better at it, they just they put it down and they criticize it and say, well, it'll get you killed in the streets. Well, no, there's, there's not really any proof of that or evidence of that. It's just one of those silly gun sayings that people say and they repeat it like a parrot and they don't really have any, any evidence of it. Um, there's some very, very good competition shooters out there that I don't think would get killed in the streets if they were attacked and they had to use their guns. As a matter of fact, I would feel probably pretty sorry for the bad guy that decided to attack a really, really good competition shooter. And some of the, some of the best um, gunfighters in present and past, whether they were law enforcement, military, or even civilians, will probably tell you that they learned a lot and, and they loved to go to competition shooting and, and they learned to get pretty good at competition shooting. So IDPA. Now what IDPA is going to do is they're going to put you in a group based on your skill level and based on the type of gun you have. And that's really who you're going to be competing against is other people in the group that are on a somewhat of a level playing field. So in other words, if somebody's got a fancy race gun and you have just your concealed carry Glock 19 or Smith & Wesson shield or um, what have you, you're not going to get put in the enhanced service pistol division or the uh, um, you know open division of USPSA if that's what you're shooting. You're not going to be expected to compete with them because that would be a very unfair, unrealistic competition. I'll give you an example. Here are the different divisions of IDPA. Let's just talk about that right now. Custom Defensive Pistol, which I'm not sure exactly why that's called that because most of the people that are in that are shooting 45 ACP caliber and most of them are shooting 1911s. And I guess that's kind of why they call it Custom Defensive Pistol because 1911s used to be pretty customized defensive pistols. If you happen to shoot like a Glock or a Springfield or an M&P 45 caliber, you're going to be put in that division with, with the 1911s pretty much. And then they have enhanced service pistol. So think of a service pistol. A common service pistol is a Glock 17, Glock 22, M&P 9mm, Springfield XD. And if it's enhanced, that means it's got a pretty fair amount of modifications to it. Which, you know, supposedly, if you're a highly skilled shooter, those nice modifications are going to help you shoot better. Okay, fine. If you have that kind of a gun, you're going to get put in with all the ESP shooters. 
But if you have just a regular stock service pistol, which is SSP, just a regular stock service pistol, it means a surface a, a service pistol that pretty much is, is in stock configuration. That pretty much all you've done is changed out the sights and not much more. Like if you have a Glock 17 or a Glock 34 and you and you change out the sights and put a little grip tape on it, for example, then you're probably in stock service pistol. Okay? And put some fiber optic sights on it or some night sights or whatever. And you'll be competing against other people that have the same kind of M&P stock pistol or Glock pistol or XD or Ruger or H&K or... SIG stock service pistol. Like if they have a SIG P320 or something like that. Then they have a CCP division, which is kind of a new division, but I like it. It's my favorite division of IDPA. CCP means compact carry division. Uh, some people call it a concealed carry pistol division. I think the official name is compact carry division. And that is meant for exactly what it says, your concealed carry gun, your Glock 19, Glock 26, Smith & Wesson Shield, Springfield XDS, Walther, SIG P365, guns like that. You'll be in that CCP division, and you'll be competing against other people that have guns like that. And they have a carry optics division, a CO. For any gun that has a red dot on it, you're, you'll be in carry optics. You'll be competing against only other people that have a carry optic gun. If you have a revolver, you'll be put in the revolver division. So, you know, there are limitations to shooting revolvers in competition. Some people are very good at it. Uh, man, I've seen some revolver shooters that kick the pants off with semi-automatic shooters. If they know what they're doing and they're pretty well well trained, but they're going to be in the revolver division, only competing with revolvers. Now I got to tell you, I've seen some revolver shooters so good, they were in the top five overall in the entire competition. And there's another competition called Bug Backup Gun, and I guess if you have a shield or something like that. You might be in the bug division. I might have made a mistake about compact carry division. Compact carry might be, you know, Glock 19, Smith & Wesson, M&P 2.0s, uh, M&P compacts. Uh, what else might be in there? Probably uh, Sig P365 XL, guns like that. Backup gun division, you probably have, uh, if you have a snub nose revolver, if you're using a, a Glock 42, um, I guess even a Glock 26 may technically be in the backup gun division. If you have a Springfield XDS, for example, a Car PM9. Um, I think I mentioned, like, if you have a P365 or something like that. Shield, you'll be in the backup gun division. And you'll be competing against other people who are shooting a backup gun. So it makes it a little bit more fair. And then you have a PCC division, pistol caliber carbine, which is exactly what it says and what it's for if you are competing with your pistol caliber carbine, which I got to do. I got I to gotta get a, a PCC and uh, 
and start competing in that division because that looks like just way so much fun. Uh, I, I got to get in that uh, pistol car, pistol caliber carbine. No shotgun divisions to the best of my knowledge in IDPA. Um, now, here in San Antonio, the local IDPA club, they do have a carbine match, a regular carbine match once a, uh, once a month where you can bring your AR-15, your AK, stuff like that. And it's, a, it's an IDPA-style match, so you do that style of action shooting with your carbine. And let me tell you, that is awesome. And that is fun as well. In a lot of places, a lot of places they do that. So hopefully for Eddie who sent me this email and anybody else who's been wondering about this, hopefully this kind of gives you an idea how the divisions break down. Now there are rules. There are rules in IDPA. And you've heard me before kind of make fun of some of the rules. I, I, I like to do that and sometimes maybe I shouldn't. But... There are rules, and, and most of the rules are for good reason. There's a lot of safety rules, a lot of them, and that's for good reason. I don't think I need to explain to you why they have safety rules. You know, you, you, you need to be safe. Nobody needs to get shot. The club doesn't need to have anybody getting shot. That's unacceptable, and uh, the club will probably get shut down, and the range will get maybe shut down if if there's too many accidents so we don't need that there's also a lot of rules about what you can shoot what targets you can shoot what you can't what's the penalties if you shoot them how you shoot them like for example sometimes you have to shoot targets around cover so you'll have a barricade that simulates cover and you have to engage them around cover and you got to do it the right way there's a certain way there's a right way and a wrong way Okay, sorry there for the interruption and the quick break. I just realized that I didn't have my microphone settings the way I normally like to them. I like to have them, so I apologize in advance if the first part of this episode, if the sound quality wasn't all that great. Seems like it was okay, but uh, some of my microphone settings were not exactly where I like them for every show, so I, I paused it and uh, I put them where I need them and where I like them, so here we go. So I was talking about, like, for example, some targets are shot around cover. Some of them have to be shot in a certain order. And if you don't do them in a certain order, then you get a penalty. And a penalty usually means they assess time onto your over, overall time. Um, if you do too much missing, in other words, if you, uh, if you don't hit what's called zero down. Zero down means you put it into approximately an 8-inch circle. And uh, if you didn't hit that, shoot that within that eight inch circle then then you're probably going to have one second down or two seconds down or three seconds down or if you miss you're in trouble don't miss the target altogether well so they're going to add time for inaccuracy 
but that's good. That's a good challenge, see? And my, my advice to you, if you're new, go slow. Go slow. Go slow and just worry about being safe and, and making some quality hits. Be proud of yourself if you get through a match and you're real safe and the range safety officer doesn't, you know, ask you to change some things about your gun handling and your safety. That's a good that's good. That's a victory. If you're if you're a new IDPA shooter and you get through matches and you're safe. Well it's always a victory. It's always a victory if you're safe. <laughs> but especially if you're new, it's it's very important. And if you make some good hits, if you make some and you'll see what it mean what I mean. I don't want to bore you with all the scoring details. They'll explain it to you. Uh, the the great thing about IDPA or any of the shooting sports, the people are extremely helpful if you don't if there's something you don't know ask a question you'll have people more than willing to answer your question and be nice about it because one of the things i've learned about competition shooters they love the sport they love what they're doing and they want to see other people join and have fun they want their club to grow they want people to come out usually the matches are on saturdays sometimes they're on sundays um I used to shoot Thursday nights when I was in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. When I lived up there, I used to shoot Thursday nights at an indoor range. I really missed those Thursday night matches. Uh, it was great because I didn't have to take any time away from my family on the weekends. And they were indoors. I didn't have to worry about weather challenges and things like that. Don't have any of those, to the best of my knowledge, here in the San Antonio, Texas area. But if you have those in your area, take advantage of going to those indoor matches. Another thing that's really cool about indoor competition matches, sometimes they have nighttime shoots. You know, they turn all the lights off when people are shooting. So you're you're in the dark using your flashlights, either, either flashlights in your hand or weapon-mounted lights. That is really cool, folks. If you've never done that, that is cool, and that is fun. And that is quite a challenge. And I really miss that. <laughs> so I'm almost motivating myself to go take a trip somewhere where they're having nighttime competition matches. Um, anyway, let's get back to uh, the different types of competition. By the way, if for those of you who are members of the Shooters Club, the uh, website that Ben Branham and I put together, you'll find a lot of this on the Shooters Club as well, the video membership. And uh, while some of us are still quarantine, quarantined here and don't have a lot to do while we're still trying to fight COVID-19, get signed up for the Shooters Club. It's only $75 a year or $8 a month. And it's, it's one way, as I mentioned, this is a listener-supported show. Uh, it's one way you can you can help support the efforts that I do and Ben Branham over at the Modern Self Protection Podcast. You can find that at ShootersClubMembers.com. That's ShootersClubMembers.com, and there'll be a link in the show notes. Speaking of the show notes, there'll also be a link for IDPA, USPSA. So now let's talk about the difference here, because Eddie asked me to talk about the differences of competition. IDPA supposedly concentrates more on the defensive use of your pistol now it is a game make no mistake about it it's a game so some shooters are there to win the game sometimes i get weird looks when i go to these matches because i don't always play the game 
I use it as an opportunity to practice my defensive skills. Like I'll use cover properly. And sometimes uh, they don't want to enforce the cover rules. And mostly it's at other types of competition, like at AASA and USPSA. They don't enforce the cover rules as much as IDPA. And sometimes I will use cover properly anyway. And people will ask me, well, why'd you do that? You know, you could have shot it faster by not doing that. Well, I did that because I want to, because I want to practice it. And like sometimes you go to a competition match and concealment is optional. Now, I always shoot from concealment. I shouldn't say always. About 90% of the time I'm competing, I have my concealed carry holster and my concealed carry mag pouch, and I'm shooting a concealed carry gun. And I have my shirt over the top of the gun. So in other words, I'm carrying concealed, and I'm competing that way. Some people compete open carrying um, because it's faster, and it's easier, and it's easier to win the game. And they have more of an open carry kind of a holster, or they have a competition holster. Sometimes I do that. Sometimes I show up with a competition setup gun and a competition holster and competition mag pouches and sometimes I play the game and a lot of times I don't and people will ask me well why you know why are you doing that well I want to practice that I take it as a as a as an opportunity to practice my techniques and perfect my performance and that's that's part of of the reason why I'm there anyway not everybody but, but I think it's a good thing to do. And I think it's one of the great benefits of competition shooting is to go there and, and do that. Because like I said, it's very difficult to go do that anywhere else unless you take a real defensive training class. Which I have to say competition is not really a defensive training class. You are going to learn how to get good at drawing your gun from your holster. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's good. You are going to learn to put rounds on target pretty quickly and pretty accurately. And there's nothing wrong with that. And you can practice that at a competition match. You're not really going to learn a lot of defensive tactics. You know, uh, <laughs> one thing you might learn is malfunction clearing. <laughs> if you got a malfunctioning gun... <laughs> In a competition match, that's you're going to learn that, and you're going to get better at that. And let me tell you something. Here's another benefit of competition. You know, forget trying to win the game for for a minute. Uh, you may think that your gun and your equipment is incredibly reliable. The best way to prove that is to go to a competition match. If your gun is not reliable, it's going to show itself at any competition match. I promise you. I 100% guarantee you, if your gun is not reliable, it will show its unreliability at a competition match. It just will. And you need to know that, don't you? How many of you would agree with me that you, you need to know whether your gun is reliable or not? Because when you need it the most, when the stink really hits the fan, I hope it doesn't. I hope that day never comes for you. I hope it never comes for me. I don't go looking for trouble, but sometimes trouble finds me. You want to know that that gun is reliable, don't you? Go to a competition match. You'll find it out. And your magazines, you'll find out if they're reliable. 
your gear, your holster, your mag pouch, your belt. You'll find out real quickly what works for you and what doesn't, and it's different for everybody. Competition matches are a great way to test your gear. If you buy a new gun, go take it to a competition match. Dry fire practice with your new gun for a while so you're familiar with it and go to a competition match. You'll find out real quickly if that new gun works for you well or if it doesn't. Same with taking the training class. By the way, if you want a real defensive training class, Ben Branham and I were teaching Beyond Concealed Carry. We're getting the band back together and we're teaching again. And that's going to be September 19th and 20th right here in San Antonio, Texas, the great Alamo City. September 19th and 20th, Saturday and Sunday, two-day class with me and Ben Branham. We're the instructors. Uh, it's an awesome class. You can go to handgunworld.com. Click the uh, right there on the menu. You'll see Beyond Concealed Carry in San Antonio. You'll be able to read about the class description, the price, what we're going to do, and all that good stuff. Check us out. Come train with us. There you'll find out what works for you and what doesn't also about your gear. USPSA competition is a little bit more focused to moving and shooting and shooting fast and shooting accurately. And I guess they don't do, they don't have quite as many restrictive rules as IDPA. Now, I'm not picking on IDPA because IDPA has some good benefits to it. So does USPSA. There's a lot of similarities and crossover between those two sports. I would say that USPSA, it, it's they have they have faster, more high octane shooters. Okay, but even if you knew, I was new at ID, at USPSA one time. I was new at Ipsic. I I was brand new and I was slower than snails. It's okay. I didn't care. I can hang with the USPSA shooters. Not quite as much as I can, not quite as good as I can do in, in uh, USPSA. But we have a local club here called AASA. And their rules are mostly like, mostly like USPSA. And I'm going to brag about AASA for a minute here. Ted Bonnet. Ted Bonnet also, uh, I think he uh, used to be a USPSA world champion quite a while ago. And uh, or or pretty darn close, master class shooter. Uh, one thing I like about his match, and some of your local clubs will do this. Some of your local non-IDPA and USPSA. I'll give you an example. AASA, we load our magazines to full capacity. IDPA and USPSA makes you download your magazines. Uh, sometimes to 10 rounds in the mag and one in the gun. Sometimes to 8 rounds in the magazine, one in the gun. In USPSA, it's load them up full, all the way full. You got 17 round mags, load them up with 17, one in the chamber. You got 20 round mags, load them up with 20. You got 22, I've used my 33 round Glock magazines sometimes. That is just a whale of a good time, <laughs> let me tell you. That really is cool. But what they, what they want you to do is they want you to use your gun like you're going to really carry it. I mean, if I carry my Glock 19, I'm not going to only put 10 rounds in my Glock 19. 
Not, not here in Texas. We're not restricted to 10 rounds. Now, if you live in a state where you're restricted to 10 rounds in your mag, okay, I understand. Not here. So I'm not going to limit myself to just 10 rounds. Why would I ever want to do that? And that's the way that we compete in AASA. So I kind of like that. Any kind of gear is allowable as long as it's safe in AASA. IDPA won't allow anything. Like, for example, I love to carry my spare magazine in front of my body on the opposite side of appendix. So I'm a right-hand shooter. I like to carry it in front on the left, horizontal. Well, that's not allowed in IDPA. But AASA doesn't care. So in AASA, I can actually practice a little bit more like I realistically carry. And if you have a club like that in your area, find it, go, go compete with them, and then compare it. See which one you like better. Do you like that better? Do you like IDPA better? Do you like USPSA better? It's all up to you. And um, the other thing I'm going to say about competition shooting, if you're thinking about trying it, is just bring what you got. You don't have to go drop a bunch of money and buy a special gun for competition. That's what's really cool about IDPA, for example, is you don't have to go buy a special gun. Just bring what you have. That's the, that's the object. Just whatever you have. You only have one gun, and, and it's your carry gun, and it's, it's a Smith & Wesson Shield, for example. You're fine. Make sure you got at least two spare magazines. I would say you have to have at least two spare magazines, two extra magazines, and uh, a, a magazine carrier, a mag pouch, and a real concealed carry belt, and a real concealed carry holster that's safe. And it usually means, I mean, you can shoot, you can, you can use an, an inside the waistband holster if you want. Inside the waistband's just fine. Um, I don't think they'll probably allow anything like a Serpa holster or whatever. You can use a holster that has a retention device if you want to do that. Uh, in USPSA, they have, you know, real slick competition, fast race holsters and stuff like that, and race guns. But in IDPA, usually, usually not. You know, they don't have that. And uh, they'll probably put you in the... Stock, serv stock service pistol division or um, CCP, concealed carry pistol, as I like to call it, compact carry pistol. That's probably where they'll put you or in the, in the backup gun division if that's what it is. Uh, but it's, it's really cool. It's, uh, you don't need a lot of equipment. You don't have to spend a whole ton of money. Just bring what you've got. They will show you and teach you how to shoot with what you got, and you'll be just fine. You'll have a lot of fun. You'll compete with yourself, maybe some other people. One thing I like to do is I like to go, when I go competition shooting, if I bring somebody with me, if Ben goes with me or one of my other friends named Mark, if he goes with me, I like to just try to beat those guys, and, and that's it. And then when the scores are all posted at the end, I like to look and see. My classification right now is a... Um, I'm a I'm a, a, a C a compact carry pistol. I'm a CCP sharpshooter. Okay? Uh, and also an ESP, enhanced service pistol sharpshooter. So I like to look and see how did I do in the sharpshooter division? And how did I do in the ESP or or a 
CCP division. Okay? And so I, that's what I like to look at. I, I'm not going to look at the masters or the experts um, because uh, I... Why do I want to do that? I'm not a master or an expert level shooter, so I'm not going to compare myself to them. But I want to beat a novice. I want to beat the guys who are novice. I want to beat the people who are marksmen. I should because I'm slightly more skilled. Now, sometimes I don't. See, if I have a bad day, if I have a bad day, there'll be three or four marksman level shooters that beat me. Oh, well, I don't care. I had a bad day. The other day I went shooting, competition shooting. And the guy there shooting backup gun with his Sig P365 beat the snot out of me. Yeah, he was shooting backup gun with a Sig P365. And I'm there with my Glock 19 modified. And he smoked me pretty, pretty good. So that's okay. That's okay. I had a bad day. I had a bad day and he had a good day. So what? That That's the way it goes. And it also just goes to prove that it's not it's usually not the gun if you shoot poorly it's it's usually not the gun's fault and i gotta tell you something you know folks i like to be i like to be brutally honest with my listeners sometimes so here we go here's here's some brutal honesty most of the time poor shooting is not because of your gun it's not because of your trigger it's not because of your sights it's not because of your barrel it's not because of your magazines. It's not because of your grip angle. It's none of that. It's because of you. And that's the hardest thing for people to accept. And it, it's always been for me. I, You know, there's been a lot of temptations I've had where I may go to competition shooting five or six straight matches and I'm just terrible. And I say, okay... This gun doesn't work for me anymore. I'm going to switch to another gun. And guess what? I'm just as terrible with that gun. Then I got to whack myself in the head and say, you know what, Bob? The problem is not the gun. The problem is because you're being a knucklehead and you're not focusing on the fundamentals and you're not applying them in, a, in an efficient manner and you better just get back to dry fire practicing and getting better at your fundamentals and, and that's that. So be prepared for that. If you've never gone competition shooting, be prepared for that. But that's a good thing. I never see failure as failure, but only as a learning experience, folks. One of my mentors taught me that when I was a very young man. I never see failure as failure, but only as a learning experience. I never see failure as failure, but only as an opportunity to practice my techniques and perfect my performance. And finally, I never see failure as failure, but as an opportunity to develop my sense of humor. Folks, sometimes failing is just an opportunity to laugh. I mean, it really is. It's an opportunity to develop my sense of humor. And I'm going to leave you with this. If you remember that failure is a chance to develop your sense of humor, you'll be in stitches most of the time. <laughs> you'll be laughing in stitches most of the time because... That's the way you got to look at failure, folks. You can't, you can't take it any other way, okay? You just can't. So, uh, I may take up this subject again. It's because uh, I've had a lot of fun doing this episode right here. I hope you have had as well. Go competition shooting. Just try it, please. And maybe I'll see you out there if you're in the San Antonio area. 
And, of course, if you want to send me an email and say, hey, Bob, I want to try competition. I live in San Antonio area, and, and uh, you know, when are you going to be out there? I'd like to shoot with you. I'm all for that. Send me a, an email, handgunworld at gmail.com, handgunworld at gmail.com. If you've got some stories or experiences you'd like to share about competition shooting, um, call into my voicemail, 210 646 1727 210-646-1727. I'll put you on this show. Leave me a, a voicemail that's three minutes or less, and let's talk about it. Let's uh, discuss it. Uh, I always have a Facebook post for every episode and a Twitter post for every episode. So you can check out Handgun World on Facebook or Twitter. Also, please remember to check out my YouTube channel, Handgun World. I'll put a link to that. And the Modern Handgunners YouTube channel that I do with Ben Branham. So, I uh, hope to see you at a match. Hopefully, you'll try it. Eddie, thank you so much for the email you sent to me. You, uh, you formed the topic of this episode, and I appreciate that. I had a lot of fun talking about this because it's been something that I've enjoyed for many years. So let me close with this. Folks, we live in tough times right now. We live in very uncertain times. We live in tough times, unprecedented, confusing, distressing times. Do the best you can to be positive. Do the best you can to find good in something every day. Use this time to find good in something. Be with your family. Use this time to remember to get prepared Make sure you're uh, focusing on prepping. I'm going to talk about that again next week in the next episode uh, because it's it's needed today. you got to be a prepper of some kind today. And um, remember to read your Bible every day. And I'm Bob Main. I carry a gun because I can't carry a cop most of the time. But this is a practical show done by a practical guy. And that is me. Thanks for listening. God bless you. I'll talk to you again next week. Goodbye. Good.